Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 31 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, the language of business and the evolution of news media. Things have changed over many, many, many decades in media. Not only the forms in which we receive our news, but the way that news is gathered, the way that news is processed, and the way that news is distributed. So Paul, how does this affect us as people within organizations uh, to tell our stories? You know, this is a, it's a big topic, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, just front and center and if you've got a phone or a a tv or a radio it's just in your face all the time and you know find me somebody who doesn't have all of the above or one of the above and is over the age of four and it's just uh, the way it is but i was struck by this um because of something that i experienced many years ago and i was just starting out in uh, radio and i had an opportunity to sit in on a uh a workshop, I guess, would be the best description of it. And it was led by a fellow named Ed Bliss. Now, Ed was the lead writer for Walter Cronkite and for Edward R. Murrow. So you could argue Murrow in particular, as uh, they often describe as the grandfather of uh, television news. I mean, he's the guy who started it. And the legendary CBS news organization that was the dominant player in television and sort of the gold standard for how uh, television news was to be delivered and, and gathered in the U.S. and that led to around the world. Uh, you know, Cron- uh, Morrow started, he was the first anchor for CBS, for the CBS Evening News, and then Cronkite followed him. Cronkite spent, I don't know how many years, 20 or something. I mean, he was the most trusted man in America and all of that kind of stuff and, and delivered some of those most memorable of lines, you know, he announced that uh, John Kennedy had been, uh, had died, uh, that the man had landed on the moon, all, all of these things. And it was always those guys. So Ed Bliss, uh, you know, was, uh, as their lead writer, a pretty important guy in all of this stuff and not a name that we all know about, but for someone like me, I mean, I was just starting out. So I, I guess I truly didn't appreciate the magnitude of the opportunity I was being presented to, sit in on his workshop, but here's what I came away with. And here we are all these many decades later, and it's still as fresh in my mind today as it was then, which probably tells you something that it was a potent, potent statement. And he made this assertion. He said, Murrow had a belief. And so not so much him, but Murrow, uh, who was the grandfather of the broadcast news, as we said, or television news, Murrow believed there was no space in a news story for an adjective or an adverb. How's that? He said, it was a fire, not a big fire. And the building was destroyed, not totally destroyed. And he said, uh, you know, it, it became a contest almost. He said, twice a week, I would slide an adjective or an adverb into the news copy for the CBS Evening News. And twice a week, Morrow would strike it. And he said, it became this contest to see if I could slip one by him. And I think about that, and it it's always in my head when I'm, you know, if I'm writing or whatever, 
And sometimes it can be detrimental if you're trying to write a fiction piece or you're trying to write uh, something that for more general consumption. When you have the antithesis of that is adjectives and adverbs, uh, you know, it, it becomes very difficult. You really have to work diligently to get your brain into the space. But, you know, I, I think to that juxtaposition of what Bliss, who was kind of the founder of uh, of evening news or supper news or whatever you want, television news, to where we are today with uh, every newscast is so full of editorial commentary and descriptors and adjectives. If you didn't have adjectives, you'd probably be fired or never get hired as a reporter. And it's just gone. The pendulum has swung completely the other way. And that got me to thinking about just, you know, the evolution of media and, and we see how, uh, and I guess oftentimes we point to the American media, mass media, because it's just so dominant in the world. But I, I think back to one time uh, in Saskatoon, Pierre Salinger came to speak and, and, um, you know, I got to spend some time with him and uh, he was uh, on the, uh, the ABC evening news and he was doing a live hit from Saskatoon. And this was, you know, back in like 1992 or something like that. So like they, they drove in a satellite truck for him and it was like, we, that was a story for us to see one of these trucks. I mean, you know, th this was big time stuff. And, uh, you know, for, you know, the major network news of the United States, no big, it was kind of routine, but we were all in awe that he says, yeah, I'll do this little speech here. And then uh, I'll slide up to my hotel room and we'll do this live hit on, on, uh, with Ted Koppel. And, uh, you know, I mean, name dropping, and it was all real. It wasn't just name dropping. They were actually players, but, but Salinger was also the press secretary for John Kennedy in the white house and so you think about how he went from very partisan role back into the media which was interesting because in canada that would never happen but uh it it did but also you know when the white house uh was occupied by kennedy and it's no secret now that you know there was a parade of women going through that place and and sort of stuff and it never became a story it was just nothing you fast forward to when uh you know, Bill Clinton was in the White House. If a woman went through, it was more than a story. It was like the scandal of the day and the dominant, you know, the Monica Lewinsky story and that stuff. And I think about the evolution of that and how the pendulum swung from where there was a private life for a political leader and then there was no life, private life for a political leader. And and I think with, with uh, Clinton, maybe the pendulum had hit the wall because it was an impeachable offense or so they thought. And he never was impeached, right? So maybe the American public had said, "Okay, that's enough. Uh, we've we've you know we've gone far enough with this one." And and you know there was another candidate uh, for the Democrats. Uh, I think it was on the you know caught, challenged the reporters to follow him, and they did. And he had taken a girlfriend, even though he was married on his boat to Bimini and all of this sort of stuff. And they, I mean, you know, it was the sex scandal of the day was the story. And, uh, and then with Clinton, it kind of ended. It wasn't a story with Bush and, you know, with, with Trump, it never stuck. So, uh, you know, clearly the pendulum, maybe it's swinging the other way. Maybe it's just dead. I don't know. The pendulum has stopped. But I, I just look at this and I think about if, if the content presentation and our approach to content has changed that much, is that part of the explanation of the fragmentation of the media and how media in general, uh, mass media has really been, you know, almost dismantled the, uh, the, 
newspapers are failing all over the place. Uh, television networks are in Canada. I mean, we're being funded now by tax uh, loopholes or tax credits for major media outlets with the major state funded uh, uh, media outlet in CBC, which is becoming the dominant competitor. And then you wave into this whole tapestry, the notion of, of technology and how it's evolved. And the arrival of the internet has undermined the traditional models of the media, which were very, very expensive to manage. And that's why they worked. I mean, not everybody could afford a $10 million printing press in the bottom of your building, like they did at the Star Phoenix or Leader Post in this province, for example. Uh, then they had to mothball one of them because the economics don't work and, and you know, newspapers are cutting back. They're not delivering every day anymore. They're just, uh, I mean, you watch uh, they're contracting, but yet it doesn't mean that we consume less news. Probably we consume more, but the technology has changed is that it's very empowering. And so if you, for example, as an individual or more particularly for a business, if you have a, a website and what business doesn't have a website? I mean, if you have a website, you need to understand this is not just a poster for you to po put up the price of your product. This is a media outlet. You are a publisher broadcaster when you have a, a website. You can put things up in a print format, that so-called poster, but you can do audio like we're doing right now with a podcast, or you can do video. And so your television, so your radio, newspaper, television, all in one, and it's all owned by a person, you know, and a company that maybe has three employees. I mean, that's a far cry from the $10 million printing plant and, you know, an army of teenagers around a city that have to deliver papers at four o'clock in the morning. And we've come a long, long ways. And for those who believe that their website is little more than a marketing tool or an advertising poster kind of thing, think of this. You think your customer, any new customer would ever buy from you without reading your website or looking at it? You think any employee would look at joining your firm, your organization without looking at your website. So it's a recruitment tool. It's, it is, yes, it's part of the sales and marketing organization, uh, you know, arm of the organization too. But if, if you go to the bank and you seek some credit for your business, what do you suppose the odds are the banker is going to look at your website? Probably about 100%. So these things are way more than simply when we started out, they were a poster for, you know, I'm selling bananas at 99 cents a pound today. And these things are, are really an integral part of your personality and, and the brand that you push out there. And so that too is evolving. And if you produce a website and then you leave it, and uh, it's the same, it's exactly the same thing as imagine if you subscribe to a newspaper, they delivered exactly the same paper every day to your doorstep, never changed a word. How long do you think it would be till you cancel the subscription? Well, not very long at all. So why would it be any different if you're a publisher on a website? Why would people come to your website if you make it once and never change it again? I mean, obviously you have to keep refreshing it. And it's interesting. I mean, Dan, you're the expert in this area far more than me, but the, the companies that, you know, provide and build uh, platforms online have algorithms that are very sensitive to being to fresh content. 
So if you get Googled or you Google something, the ones who keep their websites the most current and with the you know, video and the fancy stuff, they're the ones that are going to surface most quickly. So that becomes, that's the sales tool, not the marketing tool at that point. And so that's why people do SEO and try like crazy to be on the, you know, the top of the search engine responses and that kind of stuff. But to do it, it's all based on your website, but you got to keep your website current. So, you know, I started this conversation by talking about Ed Bliss, who was keeping things uh, as factual as possible. And that was the way the news began. And frankly, there's a part of me that kind of likes that, uh, that let the, uh, give the audience the facts, don't embellish them too much, let them draw their own conclusions. Cause uh, you know, we have to assume that if we want someone to be a member of our audience where we have some respect for them because we want them in our, you know, inside our tent, well, then we should give them some credit for having some intelligence and that they can actually discern right from wrong, left from right, top from bottom. If we simply give them a set of facts Now we have to be, uh, you know, without embellishing them too much, that's really the part that the newscaster brings or the news organization should bring. And in a way, that's kind of what you do with, uh, you know, when you're a publisher of a website, you advance the key is more to your tell content your story than hammering your the competition. When it comes to your website and your space. And if you think of I mean, blogs, for example, if people don't keep them up to date, and the last time your organization put out a blog or a thought piece or a video uh, or a social media post, and it says 2013 or 2020, 2021, the big question is, well, what have you been doing in the meantime? Well, yes, you could say you've been focusing on your business, but you're not focusing on, you know, really building those relationships. Yeah, and I guess you could extrapolate from that. If you can't keep your own website uh, current, what are you going to do with my uh, file? Uh, you know, it's going to just get thrown to the back of the pile and then, oh, yeah, we better check in and see what that organization's doing and play catch up. No, if I sign up to be one of your customers, I presumably want to get some attention from you and I want you to be on top of the game. That's why I'm hiring you and I'm not doing it myself. I mean, every time we use an outsider, we buy from someone else, effectively we're outsourcing. And so if I decide that you are a better supplier of a product or a service than I could be internally, and I don't want to be bothered with it, then I hope, I would assume that uh, when I sign on with you, I would hope that, you know, I'm actually going to get some share of mind from you, that you're actually going to pay attention and, and keep things current. But if I look at your website and the latest you know, insightful blog coming from you or your team is two years old, or the latest newsletter you have for your customers or staff is 18 months old. I wonder, you know, what are you doing? I agree with you. It's that uh, it, it can tarnish your reputation as much as, as uh, enhance it. I 100% agree on that. Paul, just one final thought on this. I know that time is tight with us, but can you imagine a world? Imagine a world, go back to those early days of the news and imagine a world where we have social media and this digital space and organizations like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Rebel Media, etc., all just saying the facts of a news story, not bringing opinion or position into it. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, it's the technology that's allowed fragmentation. I think when I grew up and, you know, boomers will remember there were two or three channels on television and, in, in, uh, you know, in Canada, the U.S. had three. Um, and now how many are there? 
in the competition for the audience that is by definition been fragmented into much smaller, smaller pieces, you have to become more sort of, you have to stand out. So that becomes more exaggerated and to uh, be just a little bit wilder uh, in order to catch attention. And, you know, back in the day when there were two or three newscasts uh, available to the average citizen every day on television, uh, they could afford to be a little bit more circumspect and to be less sensational. Uh, sensational comes with fragmentation and it's one of the you can say the byproducts, but you can say it's a plus or a minus depending on your perspective. Uh, but it is, there's no doubt that it's changed the media landscape and those uh, sort of old tried and true kind of traditional media outlets are struggling to keep up with the technology while at the same time uh, still fund all of the, uh, the debt and the costs that they took on when they built the traditional system, which was based on an audience that's much larger and much less fragmented. And let's face it, the ad revenues aren't there because the big digital platforms, Facebook, Google, etc., have hoovered up a lot of the ad space. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time on this one. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. If you're looking for communications help and dig a little bit deeper into this whole topic, come and visit us at wetellyourstories.ca. Do share these insights that power Saskatchewan with your friends and colleagues and Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.